Welcome to the Life of Christ, Lesson 29. Uh, we're going to pick up, basically, where we left off. We were kind of in the middle of a thought, really. So I'm going to back up a little bit to the beginning of this thought. Um, on page 36, I know we were a couple of pages from there. But let's begin on page 36. We're looking at uh, just some of the significant appearance of Jesus Christ. And um, we got to Exodus chapter 3 on page 36, and we were looking at Jesus Christ and Moses. And we saw that in Exodus 3 and verse 1, <clears throat> excuse me, it says, Now Moses was attending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led uh, the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord, and remember again this is Jesus, we're going to find out in a minute, appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Now isn't it interesting that Moses encounters Jesus Christ as this fire? And then he is going to see this in a much greater way when he becomes that pillar of fire that warms them at night as he takes them all out. So what he thought was, was amazing was just going to be incredible in a very short while. Let me say that. <clears throat> so what we did was we, uh, in Exodus 3 and verse 5, Jesus speaks here, God speaks, and we believe this is Jesus Christ on the next page. And uh, he, after he says, Moses, and Moses says, here I am, he says, do not draw near to this place, take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. And it says, moreover, he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So again, we, we see here that Moses knew Jesus Christ, amen, and saw him, and, um, and Christ knew Moses. Okay, and that's a key thing as well. So, um, we then looked at Acts, where this was brought out. Again, notice the reference to um, Jesus saying, I'm the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we looked at all of those scriptures as well. Amen. And uh, then we, then to move on to look at Exodus chapter 4, when we looked at the things that Jesus could do, and see again, these are the things that he was doing before he ever took on the form of a man. And he's turning, you know, uh, again he says, what is that in your hand? And he said, a rod. I'm in Exodus 4.2 and then in verse 3. And he said, cast it to the ground. And when he cast to the ground, it became a serpent. And so we turned over the page. <laughs> okay. And we see there um, that Jesus Christ... Not only turn water into wine, but he can turn poles into serpents. And the other way again. Amen? So, there's a lot of things going on here. And again, the reason why I wanted to bring all this out, because you need to see how incredible the Lord is. Amen? That his supremacy was just throughout the ages. And, you know, when he came in the form of man, um, through Mary, in the Gospels, that was in his first appearance. He already had, had a significant impact on humanity. Amen? And um, I, I read this 
And I think it's important maybe that we'll start at this point where the Full Life Study Bible said that miraculous signs serve the purpose on confirming the message and ministry of Moses. The manifestation of such signs is also God's intention for his people under the new covenant. So it, you know, it is important that people see the reality of the God that we serve. Amen? And you know, it's not just a religion. There is a reality to it. And you know, there are signs that will follow those that believe. Hallelujah. Jesus said that. Alright. And uh, we saw next in Exodus chapter 13, where it said in verses 21 and 22, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. Notice it says that the Lord went before them in a pillar of cloud. And, notice the other thing, a pillar of fire. Alright, he was inside of those things. It's pretty incredible, isn't it? Can you imagine the size of the thing? We're not talking five people in a picnic. Hmm? We're talking about millions. And he is covering all of them. Are you all here? I mean, this is huge. And he's looking after them. It's, it's epic. Amen. <laughs> okay? Yeah, hallelujah. All right. <laughs> and here again, you know, we see how, we're going to see then how the Lord fights for his people. Remember when Pharaoh changed his mind? Mm. Yep. And then we got to Exodus 14, so now we should be where we kind of left off and we're starting to remember things, hopefully. Where um, Jesus says, now lift up your rod. Remember, this is the rod that was brought all the plagues on Egypt. It says, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. And again, the Spirit-filled uh, Life Bible says, Egyptians had to learn that God, or more accurately, the pre-incarnate Christ, was no desert God but the God of all of the elements. Amen. Alright. And so in the next two verses, Exodus 14, verses 19 and 20, we're going to see how the Lord once again supernaturally protects His people by saying, And the angel of God, again, there's a capitals there, who went before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went before them. Uh, again, being an advanced guard, and stood behind them, becoming their rear guard. And so it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of, of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one, that's the Egyptians, and it gave light by night to the other, that's the Israelites, so that the one did not come near the other all, night, all that night. Now that's, a, that's an incredible thing, how the same God and the same thing can do two different things. Okay? God is your pillar of fire and your light. And He is the same one that will go and confuse your enemies. Praise God. You know, He fights your battles in that sense. You understand? And so we need to see, you know, that's why it is important that we see God. You know, as much as He is a God of love, He's also our dad. <laughs> and when people mess with us, He doesn't like it. That's right. Amen. Now it is true that He is the creator of all things. But you know, it does, it, it's, it's the things that obey Him, if I can put it this way, okay, and have relationship with Him that He will look after. Okay, now He wants to save everyone. But you know, those people that want to do you harm, then will, then will um, run into His anger and His judgment. 
if I could say that. Amen? And so it's important that we know that, that, you know, God isn't sitting there saying, oh yeah, but I love them too, so you know, let them beat you, that's okay. Are you all here? <laughs> all right. Okay, now, the full life uh, study Bible says that God's pillar of fire flooded with light the way across the sea so that the Israel's uh, Israelites could cross over. But that's not all. Because it goes in the same, now in Exodus 14 verses 21 through 25, this is amazing. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. Did you see that? Oh, I mean, it went back all that night. All right, and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So not only did the wind cause the waters to divide, but it also dried a path for them to walk on. Because think about it, others would be walking in squishy, you know, interesting, isn't it? Because every time I've seen this, you know, when I've seen movies and stuff, you, you see like a little bit of water, and they're walking, they're treading through a bit of water, you know, there's just, you, you know what I'm trying to say? Uh, there wasn't any water. I mean, they blow-dried it, man. Yeah. <laughs> and they wa- you could walk in your Gucci shoes and everything would be good. You know, get across there nice and dry. And I tell you what, when you walk across dry land, when, you, when God does this kind of a miracle, there's no wet on you. Just like when He rescued those, you know, uh, three children from the fire, they didn't smell like smoke that day. Are you all here? Okay. They didn't come out going, whoa, man, all the clothes got kind of singed and burned a bit, but you're still okay. No. This is a miracle of it. They couldn't even smell smoke on these guys, just like they couldn't find any water on these. And they crossed right through the center. Wow. I think that's huge. All right. So, the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea, on the dry, see this is why it says dry ground. It doesn't just say ground, it says dry ground because it dried everything up for them. That's the miracle. Amen. And that's at night with a pillar of fire to light the way. Remember again, this is all happening at night by the way. They are crossing the sea at night on dry land with fire leading the way. Wow. Anyway, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. So they could literally see this massive wall of water. Alright, so see this is the reason why, let's just stop here for just a second. These are the same people that are going to whinge and whine in a little while. <laughs> That's right. Okay, these are the people that are, yeah, that are going to say, Oh, we can't fight the giants. I mean, who are we? As if they could have fought Pharaoh's army to begin with. Are you all here? And you know, let me just, before we throw throw too many rocks at them, let me just say this. That's the reason why we need to remember what God has done for us. Because I don't know what it is about us, but every time we come to a new thing, it's like, oh no, this time we're not going to make it. Okay, no man. There's a lot of times you wouldn't have made it. God came through. This is no different. That's the reason why God loved David so much. 
He says, bless the Lord on my soul and forget not all his benefits. You know how you, you see that in operation when he says, I've killed the lion, I've killed the bear, I'll take this turkey too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when he's looking at Goliath, do you understand what I'm saying? He said, hey, God didn't let me down back then, he's not going to start now. That's right. Hallelujah. Amen. That's why he said, is there not a God in Israel? Remember that? These people forgot there was a God in Israel. That's what the problem is. Okay, anyway. But they're seeing all of this stuff. It's incredible. Verse 23, And the Egyptians pursued and went after them in the midst of the sea. All Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Notice all of Pharaoh's horses. Alright. Now it came to pass, verse 24, In the morning watch. Now notice, they've been crossing all night. Okay, this is why this is such an incredible thing. This is a nighttime crossing on dry land, so people can't say, oh, it was really hot the sun, so when the waters parted, I, it just amazes me how people will ignore one miracle and can't believe something else. Oh, you don't believe in a virgin birth, do you? Oh, hang on a second, so you're okay with her not having a man to have a baby, but you can't figure out how come she can be a virgin and have a, have a kid. <sighs> like, hello. Are you all here? Let's get back to this. And so it says, Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the armor of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire. Notice he's in there. Okay, and cloud. And he troubled the army of the Egyptians. Oh, here we go. Watch this now. All right. This, this verse actually tells us that he brought havoc among them. So whatever was going on, their brain wasn't working so well. Whatever was going on, this wasn't a harmonious group anymore. Let me just put it that way. And that's not all. It gets worse. And he took off their chariot wheels. So that they drove them with difficulty. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> you know? Can you imagine? The horses are pulling these chariots. The wheels pop off. And they're still going. Oh, you think they were riding with difficulty? <laughs> this is not riding a horse. This is riding on the back of something with no wheels on it. That's right. You all hear? This, this would look so funny, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it just look funny? You know, I always make like a joke out of it. You all seen, what was it, the great race? You know, you know, Max, remember the guys? And he goes, oh, number two, the wheels, oh, number four, the wheels are going to fall off. Remember? And it crashes, and the car turns upside down, and then the wheels all pop out, boing, you know. <laughs> I always remember that when I think about this. I always think, well, wouldn't that be so funny? And you're riding your chariot, and you're also serious, and we're about to kill these Israelites, and we're just going to kill him, and everything, and your wheels pop out. <laughs> Suddenly we're not looking so good. Can you imagine how bumpy the road would have been? Think about it. And they would have been flying out the side. Amen. Okay, so. Oh, geez, I love God, the way he does things. Anyway, so they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. So, only now do they realize who they're actually fighting. 
But sadly, it's too late because it goes on to say now in verses 26 to 31, all right? Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and when the morning appeared, notice they're crossing all night, okay? The sea returned to its full depth, while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. And so the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Verse 28. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. Now that's pretty incredible. I mean, you think one of them could have swum. Think about this for a minute. These are, these are warriors. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you, you'd think they would turf their armor at some stage. I mean, you're, you're drowning, okay? Note the sea is coming. And, you know, your first thought would be get rid of everything that you can. But what is it that caused them every single, not one person, not one warrior? And I want you to see this because we miss some, this sometimes. God says, I'll look after something. And you always have in the back of your mind, yeah, but what if one gets through? You know, what if? There are always this little what if. You need to understand, and what I want you to see from this is when God takes care of something, it's taken care of. Okay? Ain't nobody coming out. Okay? When they go down, we don't care how strong, how powerful, how anything they are, how athletic they are, anything, they are not coming out. They are going to go down, and that's going to be the end of them. And so when God says, I've looked after everything, trust Him. He will take care of everything. Amen. <clears throat> so, in other words, the returning of the water was so forceful and powerful that it actually drowned every one of Pharaoh's mighty warriors. That is a miracle in itself when you stop and think about it. And so verses 31 and 30, uh, excuse me, 30 and 31 go, goes on to say, so the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. See, they saw this. They saw them dead on the seashore. They just all washed up. Amen. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses for a little while. Yeah, I did that in, okay? <laughs> okay. Oh, they're just useless, man. I tell you, yeah, you know, now they're going, ooh, oh, wow. In a minute, they're going to be going, oh, God brought us out here to die. Like you could have just let you drown then. Anyway, but not only is the Lord our mighty protector, but he is also our great provider. We see a wonderful picture of this just two chapters later in uh, Exodus 16, when the Israelites complain about having no food. I told you, it went long. Okay, and so it says there, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. Wow. He says, I will rain bread from heaven. This is God looking after them again. This is going to be especially important when we look at John chapter 6. Jump ahead here a little bit, have a look at this. When the Jews are addressing Jesus and say to him in the beginning of verse 31, it says, Our fathers ate manna in the desert. Okay, so they're making reference now to this. Um, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Okay, so he said, I will rain bread from heaven. There it is. 
Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. So notice here we've switched from what Jesus did for the Israelites, that is feed them bread from heaven, to what the Father does for us, which is gives us the true bread, Jesus Christ himself, okay, who is also from heaven. Did you catch that? Okay, and so Jesus continues now, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Does this sound like communion to you? Take it, this is my body. Uh, this is the bread from heaven. Amen? Okay. And then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. Amen. So notice again that we're seeing this. Not only did he feed them bread, but now he is their bread. Amen. And he is our bread. He is our satisfaction. That's why if we have Jesus, we should be of all people most satisfied. Amen. And most content. So, again, we will look at all of this in great detail when we get to the Gospels, alright? For now, however, following this event, the next thing we encounter in Exodus chapter 19 and 24, these are the chapters, is the awesomeness of Christ. I had to put that word in, okay. <laughs> Where it says, first of all, in Exodus 19, 18, Now, Mount Sinai, Sinai was com completely in smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Can you see this? This is the God that they are upsetting in the Gospels. Okay, He descends in the fire. Alright, again, we see now that He has been that fire for the Israelites in their crossing. Alright, now watch this. It's, notice the whole mountain. This is not a mountain top, a little cap at the top. You know, you can see, ooh, I think there's a bit of cloud there. See, we miss things like this. The whole mountain. Incredible, isn't it? Alright, because the Lord descended upon it, its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. Can you imagine this sight? I mean, I, I, there's one verse, but can you imagine how much is going on here? There is fire, there is smoke, there's earthquakes, all on one mountain. And it is loud, and it is, notice it's to your hearing, the earthquakes. Okay, your senses, because the thing is moving, and your sight. It's hitting you on all levels, looking at this thing. Okay, continuing on to Exodus chapter 24, verses 16 through 18, it goes on to say now, Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered its six, it covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Wow, notice it covered for six days. Six days they're watching this. Hmm? Make somebody believe in God. That's when you think, uh, bring all your pagan and your you know, unsaved friends right now. Let's have a look at this for a minute. <laughs> okay? Six days worth. Okay? Anyway. <laughs> all right. Verse 17, the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. Now notice, this has gone from just a bush on fire to a whole mountain. 
Okay, I want you to understand the magnitude of what is going on here. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud. I think everybody else said, yeah, Moses, you go. <laughs> we'll wait here and uh, we'll keep guard. <laughs> okay, you know what I'm saying? All right. And, and it says here, so Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. That's the mountain he was on for 40 days and 40 nights. This thing that was covered in smoke, in fire, and earthquakes. Okay, MacArthur, John MacArthur writes, The awe-inspiring sight of God's glory cloud, the Shekinah resting on the mountain, and into which Moses disappeared for 40 days and nights, impressed everyone with the singular importance of this event in Israel's history. Okay, we're over on page 42. Top of page 42. Alright, so now we're coming to other miracles, powers and appearances. This is the last section, by the way. Uh, that we will be in the Old Testament, and then we go into the New Testament. A couple of pages worth, if you notice. And then we go into his pre-existence and birth. Hallelujah. Okay. So, yep, we're, we're getting there. We're getting very close now. But I really, I hope this is blessing you. I hope you're getting an appreciation. See, you need to see this. To understand why Jesus is standing there get mad with people sometimes. Amen? Okay. Now, <laughs> following the death of Moses, about 25 years later, we see another extraordinary display of the Lord's power. When it says in Joshua chapter 10, verses 12 through 14, it says, Then Joshua spe- uh, spoke to the, ch- to the Lord excuse me, in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the people had revenged upon their enemies. So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. This, this was interesting, because I, now I'm doing this off memory a little bit, uh, a lot. <laughs> um, I remember somebody in NASA, I think, was working on you know, the, the days and how long you know, this we've been going for. And, and he was working times out and everything else. And he said he's calculated, because the computer is so incredible. It is the things that send people to the moon and everything, all right? So incredible that it was able to work out, all right, the timeline of our existence, basically. Guess what? He said there was one problem. He was out by one day. That's how accurate it was. It was out by one day. And he said, I couldn't figure out what the day was. Why was all the calculations out by one day? And then he prayed. And God took him to this scripture. Incredible, isn't it? And he said, there it is. There is your day. That's where it went. Everything shut down for a day. Isn't that amazing? Huh? You know... Science is slowly catching up to the Bible. Slowly. Okay. And so, the Spirit uh, filled Bible points, uh, points out that the sun and moon, wor- worshipped by the Amorite, stood still at Joshua's command, not only allowing Israel's success in battle. Can you imagine these guys going, oh, our gods are failing us miserably today. Today they're fighting for the other side. The Amorites worship that. And Joshua goes, Hang on a minute, we haven't finished yet. 
What's incredible to me is they fought another 24 hours without stopping. There's no lunch breaks here. Hello? I mean, this is continual fighting. 24 hours worth. All right, it says the sun and moon worshipped by the Amorites stood still at Joshua's command, not only allowing Israel's success in battle, but demonstrating the ineffectiveness of the demon gods embraced by their opponents. Moving on, verse 14. It says, And there has been no day like that before it or after it, that the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. All right, moving forward. We now get to 1 Kings chapter 18. Now this is about 488 years later. It was important for me to put the timelines in, just so you get an idea. You know, because we're reading them back to back. But this is like a couple of generations later. Yeah, you do understand? Okay, we find that it is the Lord in His pre-incarnate form that gave Elijah the supernatural strength to outrun Ahab's horse-drawn chariot. With verse 46 saying, Now the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. Notice the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of uh, Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. This is about 40 kilometers from Mount Carmel to Jezreel. Is this a long way to run? To outrun horses? You know, maybe a quick sprint and then you're tired? But give us a break, 40 kilometers? Are you all here? Okay. So from this we see a further application of Ephesians 6.10, where the Apostle Paul writes, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Boy, if we just understood this stuff. Amen. There's so much more we need to learn. Now, when we get, we're over on page 43. When we get to 2 Kings chapter 6, about 15 years later, we see firsthand the extraordinary way that the Lord works with us. Alright? With verses 8 through 17, this is again from Mark 16, 20, where the Lord works with us. Amen? Where it says here now, in 2 Kings 6, 8, Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel. Now MacArthur says that the Syrian king was probably sending raiding parties to pillage and plunder Israelite towns. And he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. I didn't tell us where, but that's where he said. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, this is King Jehoram, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Okay, so Elijah supernaturally knew which town the king of Syria planned to attack, and told the king of Israel about it. It's pretty good intel, intel, isn't it? All right, so then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there. Okay, warning the people to be on their guard. Not just once or twice. Okay? Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. He's, yeah, who would be? He's making all these plans. He's going to attack. Nobody's there. Can you imagine they turn up there and it's like, uh, okay, what are we raiding again? Everybody's gone. Did we like miss, you know, what, what day is this? Is it, you know, like, where are they? <laughs> okay, this would be so upsetting. And so, and he, the, he called his servants and said to him, all right, will you not show me which one of us is for the, for the king of Israel? He's saying, all right, which one's betraying me? 
we got a traitor in our midst, okay? So he, he reckons that one of his advisors is spying for the king of Israel. And one of his servants said, these people don't deal nicely with, with traitors. Okay, so you know one of them jumped at him and said, oh, we better tell this guy what's going on, otherwise one of us is going to die really soon. Okay, and one of his servants said, uh, none, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. He goes, oh, I hope you didn't hear that part. <laughs> okay, all the words? <laughs> no, no, okay. Yeah, all right, anyway, so, <laughs> so he said, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. Okay, literally capture him. And it was told him, saying, surely he is in Dothan. Now, you know, any dope. Now, can you stop for a minute? Here's a prophet who can see exactly what's going on. You got like 24-hour live TV, all right? It can see everything that's happening. And he says, okay, let's send people to go and get him. Uh, duh. He just saw you. He just heard you. Are you stupid? <laughs> Do you know what I'm trying to say? All right. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on, okay? <clears throat> Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army. And this is only about 12 miles or 90 kilometers north of Samaria, all right? Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. Okay? As opposed to those small, smaller raiding parties, all right? Against the towns. And they came by night and surrounded the city. All right? Now, the Spirit-filled Life Bible says that uh, Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, sent a great army, indicates that the Syrians were not going to take any chances. Obviously, oh, this guy is really dangerous. This is all for one little prophet. One, one guy. Okay? All right. And so, when the servant of the man of God rose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots and his servant said to him alas my master what shall we do stop here for a minute do you think Elisha knew this was going to happen remember he has been ratting them out okay I'll bet you money then he goes oh they're coming and he went to sleep don't miss this now and Jesus in the boat goes to sleep the storm, they're going to die. Don't you care? We're dying. Like, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> Do you understand? All of Israel is hiding. Goliath is shouting things. David says, isn't there a God in Israel? What is wrong with everybody? We keep forgetting God. Amen? We just, we just keep missing this. And so this prophet, he just says, I know God's here. I know if this guy attacks me, it will be the worst mistake he will ever make in his whole career. It's stupid to attack a man of God. It is so dumb. Amen. You need to know that about yourself. Can I just say this? Let me, let me just say this to you. Back then, the Holy Spirit was given and, and you know, God's Spirit came on the king, the priest, okay, the prophet, so on and so forth. It wasn't for everyone. It was for those officers. You know what? Today, all of us are the temple of the Holy Ghost. All of us are God's children. Jesus said, if you've done it to the least one of these, you've done it to me. Says the second member of the Godhead says, you did it to them, you've done it to me. Amen? And how you treat the least one is how you're treating me. He says to Saul, why are you persecuting me? Are you all with me? 
So as much as God would fight for his people, what do you think he would do for his own body? His own kids. They were servants. We are sons. Now again, sons, male and female, sons, because we are in the Son. So Jesus sees everybody the same through Jesus. I mean, God sees everybody through Jesus Christ. He doesn't see a male and a female. He sees Jesus Christ. So that's how he treats you. Hallelujah. Amen? So, <laughs> so he goes to sleep and he goes, yeah, I know. God says, go to bed, by the way. They're going to turn up in the morning. Don't worry about it. Hello. And so, servant goes, Eek! What shall we do? Verse 16. So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And we're going to stop there because we've run out of time and pick it up in the next session.